Next, this month's special series focus on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react? The role of a physician journalist reporting from the immediate aftermath of a disaster area is not easily defined and poses both logistic challenges and ethical questions in caring for patients. Is media coverage of physician involvement in disasters altruistic or self-serving? You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Our guest is Dr. Sanjay Gupta, a practicing neurosurgeon and chief medical correspondent for the Health, Medical, and Wellness Unit at CNN. Welcome, Sanjay. Good to have you with us. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. You were one of the first physician journalists to report from the earthquake disaster in Haiti. So given the immediacy, how did you balance reporting as a journalist versus caring for patients during the disaster? You know, I think for many physician journalists, you're a doctor first. I think that that's just a very, very basic instinctual thing, I think, for myself, I think, for anybody who was in that particular position. So with Haiti in particular, and I've been in lots of disaster areas and war zones and all sorts of places, there was an incredible need very early on. So while I you know, spent some time reporting, I think the vast majority of my time, really probably the entire time I was there, was really being a doctor. Interesting. And what really interests me when we talk about this is that I think about what kind of pressures or conflicts of interest must have come up in trying to fill the professional objectives of both doctor and reporter. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, no one would be so naive as to think that you're certainly sometimes fulfilling two different roles in a situation like this. But I think when it comes to caring for someone who is injured and, you know, putting on your your doctor's cap or your surgeon's cap, I think people basically understand that. But in this situation, you know, someone needed help, and you were the one who could possibly help them. I think that this idea that uh, somehow there's a conflict there, I think that's a little bit of an artificial conflict. I mean, I don't think that when any of us signed up to be journalists, it somehow was a, you know, put on a press badge and somehow is a bardier to being, you know, a humanitarian person, you know. So basically, your, your gut instincts take over in these situations, and I think for the most part, they're on the money. And it's interesting, you talk about the artificial conflict that I think most people would agree with you. And you did talk about most people understanding that you don both caps and the doctor comes first. But (laughs) I'm reminded of that old saying, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. And your presence as a reporter in Haiti just after the earthquake did stir some ethical controversies and even accusations that when I look at it, it put you in a pretty harsh light at times. And I wonder, how did you react to this controversy? How did you respond? I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. You know, I don't, uh, you know, especially when I was in Haiti, I don't get a chance to read a lot of stuff. We don't have a lot of communication going back and forth. I don't know. Maybe you could be specific and tell me what you're referring to. Sure. A number of ethicists who were talking about specific cases, and they referred in your case to the captured case about treating that 15-day-old baby injured by a house collapsing on her during the Haiti earthquake. And it turned out that the child had a cut but no head injury. The coverage was criticized as exploiting good deeds to drive up PR for such companies as CNN. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on such accusations. Well, first of all, I'm not sure who they're accusing of what exactly. Are they accusing me? Are they accusing Time Warner as a media company? In a situation like that, I, you know, called some of our producers had run into a, the father of this child who was, you know, in desperate need of a doc. He didn't know what was happening to the child. The child was not waking up, was unarousable. So they, you know, they called me, they grabbed me. I was in the area. So I ran over there and was, you know, evaluating the situation, you know, sort of at the time. There was a huge crowd of people there. And in fact, at the time with that particular situation, didn't even know that they were rolling a camera on it. There wasn't a piece so much as just, you know, someone filming what was happening at the time. I guess I don't really know what to make of that. 
I'm not sure who they're accusing of what exactly. When I hear and look at those past responses, I don't think necessarily they were accusing any individual, but I think they were accusing the process of having a physician reporter filmed during their care of, of any particular patient. And I'm wondering if while you were out there providing care, the vast majority of which was not filmed, in those small number of instances in which you were filmed, did you feel that there was any conflict there or there was any potential conflict of interest or pressure from the industry or the media organizations? First of all, you have to believe that there's some virtue in being a journalist in these situations. So, you know, by reporting a story, showing what's happening there, that it has value. If you don't believe that, then you probably shouldn't, you know, be there. Because, you know, sometimes, well, in Haiti, I never felt in danger for my own safety. Uh, you know, there have been other situations where they can be dangerous situations. So you have to believe there's some virtue in it as a starting point. Aside from the 15-day-old boy, you know, which was literally something that was just happening at the time, I think that the only other time that there was any filming going on was when I was in a tent hospital showing some of the first tents, actually medical tents, arriving in that area. And uh, that was a story, was that, you know, after whatever period of time that medical tents started to arrive, they were resourced tents with all sorts of different equipment. And as it turns out, again, as the story sort of went on throughout the day, for various reasons, these doctors left the scene. They left these particular tents behind. And that was the reality of what was happening there. So we were there the entire night, as it turns out, myself and my team, producers, cameramen, taking care of patients. But our story was really more about the fact that these tents had arrived and then for various reasons these doctors had to leave. Is that a worthwhile story to tell? Is that a worthwhile thing for viewers to know? Yeah, I thought so. You know, I thought first I thought it was a story about progress being made, but then it became a story about the realities of trying to get things done in a situation like Haiti during an earthquake. And you were in disbelief at that point, weren't you, if I recall that story? You couldn't believe that the care of 20 patients was being, for lack of a better word, thrust upon you with a number of other medical personnel leaving at the time. Yeah, I think, you know, it's pretty hard to believe. First of all, I just didn't think it would happen. You know, a lot of times there are rumors and murmurs about things and we're going to have to leave. You know, there's some concerns about safety. And I thought, yeah, that's not going to happen. I mean, there's all these critically ill patients here. How could that possibly happen? I had never you know, experienced anything quite like that, and I've been in some pretty tough-going places. It was pretty shocking. And then you know, some of these patients had had amputations earlier in the day. They were quite acidotic. Some of them still had significant bleeding from their amputation sites, a lot of pain issues, as you might imagine. It was quite shocking that that happened. So, yeah, I think disbelief is a good word. Yeah, this was critical care with minimal resources. Yeah. And do you believe that your reporting in those situations affected in any way the volume of medical care you were able to offer your patients? Not the quality, but the volume of care. Were you having to restrict some of the time that you would have otherwise devoted to care to be able to report for the masses? I don't think so. <laughs> the vast majority of my time, as I mentioned, was as a doc. I mean, the thing about TV is that you can literally, you know, do a two-minute live shot or, you know, two-minute sort of update as you're walking from place to place. I think in many ways it didn't, and maybe even because I had this access, you know, I was able to do things, see things where the need was particularly great and be able to help out in those places as well. That's interesting. Let me try the flip side then. Do you think it was realistic or even desirable in those situations to maintain what we would call that so-called traditional standard of journalistic objectivity as a physician journalist? I mean, you're in a very unique position. People ask that all the time. I don't understand that question. And again, I think it's one of those things where, you know, we're not talking about a political campaign here. So the objective part of this is someone should draw me the other scenario. Oh, things really aren't that bad in Haiti. Sanjay is just making it seem worse because he's also taking care of these patients. What is it? The objectivity, there was an earthquake. Lots of people died. Lots of people were injured, and there were a lot of people who were dying down there. What is the objectivity that people could think was lacking 
in a situation like this. The reality is that this was a tragic situation. And sometimes, you know, people are so used to saying you have to present both sides of an issue. What's the other side of the issue? Tragic, earthquake, you know, natural disaster, poorly constructed buildings, very densely populated area, people living on the fringe, 85% of the country impoverished, 50% of the country living without clean water, one of the worst places on the planet this could have happened, 200,000 people dead, so many people literally caught between life and death. I would love for people who say, you know, we worry about journalistic objectivity to come down there and then define exactly what they mean by that. That's a good point that you make. And I think if we put it into context of the recent physician journalist ethical guidelines that were proposed by Dr. Tom Linden over at the University of North Carolina, I'll summarize a couple main points there. But there was one I think really should be illuminated from what we're talking about, and that is that a physician reporter who treats a patient shouldn't feature that patient. And by feature, we mean on television, on radio, or otherwise. I mean, do you agree with that as a guideline? Yeah, I think as a guideline, it's probably a good principle. Disaster zones may be a little bit different. War zones may be a little bit different. I mean, certainly in a situation, you know, I'm a practicing neurosurgeon. I'm not going to feature any of the patients that I care for in my own practice. I think that would, you know, not be good. When so much of what's happening is happening at the time and the human impact of this earthquake on people, I think it becomes a little bit dicier. You know, you have to have good judgment in the field and something like this. I think it's good to have guidelines like this. Certainly, you know, you don't want to ever be exploiting the situation in any way. And I think that to the extent that guidelines like this can be a good reminder of that, yeah, I think that's true. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Our guest is Dr. Sanjay Gupta, a practicing neurosurgeon and chief medical correspondent for the Health, Medical, and Wellness Unit at CNN. We're discussing the ethics of physician journalists reporting from disaster areas. What about the sense of heightened responsibility that I'm sure you feel as a prominent health media correspondent to return to Haiti frequently during this so-called quiet crisis phase in the rehabilitation efforts? What are your plans for returning if you haven't already returned several times? Yeah, I just got back. I don't know that we have an absolute schedule of you know how many times we're going to go there over the next few months. I think it's going to be pretty often. You know, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, the public, not surprisingly, has a short attention span when it comes to all sorts of different things, and Haiti is no different. You know, we have a bit of a responsibility. You know, we told people what happened there in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, and I think we owe it to them to give them updates, let them know how things are or or are not progressing there. And I admire that, because I assume that if I take an assumption for a second, every news organization plans to run a year's anniversary coverage of this disaster. It's convenient. All the providers will be there. But I'm wondering what's been on your radar between now and then to keep the relief efforts alive and keep the public invested in that. Yeah, that's a great question, Matt. There's a lot of intuitive things that someone might expect is happening in Haiti, how things are progressing in terms of the relief efforts, what's happening with the injured people who are amputees getting prosthetics. There are things that are non-intuitive as well. So many supplies, resources, getting into the country of Haiti, into the city of Port-au-Prince, but not being distributed adequately, which is just a real shame. You know, people are still dying there of things that should be very preventable, people dying even of starvation or dying of infections that could be treated pretty easily in most places around the world. That shouldn't be happening still, and a lot of it's because the distribution efforts are lacking to some extent. That surprised me a little bit. On a more positive note, there has not been sort of the second wave of disease that people often talk about with regard to a big natural disaster, infectious disease outbreaks in camps. And I think because water has been a real priority and clean water has been made available in many places, that's really helped stem some of that. So that's you know something worth talking about reporting. A lot of the private hospitals that were open 
before the earthquake to take care of patients uh, in Port Prince and surrounding areas. Many of those have had to be shut down. And this, uh, again, a little bit counterintuitive, but for a period of time, the city of Port-au-Prince was flooded with a lot of doctors, almost too many, where doctors literally had to be told for a period of time, there's nothing really for you to do. We have more than we need. Surprising. But as a result, the private hospitals could not compete with the care that was being provided by these foreign aid organizations, and many of them had to shut down. So you risk, as a result of a lot of the aid, having damaged the existing medical infrastructure even more so. And that's something that, you know, really has to be thought of in a methodical way going forward as to how to allow the medical infrastructure to sort of rebuild itself in a way that can take care of the patients who are going to have continuous needs. That's great insight, Sanjay. I appreciate that. And I don't want to let our listeners only think that there were chaotic situations that you were thrust into. There were also accounts of you getting recruited, uh, such as by the Navy, to perform urgent neurosurgeries and doing what really sounded like inspirational work. Can you tell us about your experience uh, performing neurosurgery on a military ship? Yeah, you know, um, it was it was an interesting situation, and I think there was a young gal. She had been injured in the earthquake. She had a piece of shrapnel go through her skull, through the outer layer of her brain called the dura, and then sit just next to the sagittal sinus near the back of her brain. And, you know, she was quite debilitated by this, and she was transported to the USS Carl Vinson. This was before the, the Comfort even got into the area. And the U.S. Navy was trying to get a hold of a neurosurgeon through their own system and the Navy system, as well as throughout the country of Haiti, and they couldn't find someone who could get there fast enough. So they had seen my reporting, and I've reported on the Navy and the naval doctors in the past. So, you know, I think I'm someone that many of them know. They called our international desk back in the States, and through a series of kind of remarkable technology, satellite phones and other things, they, they got a hold of me in Port-au-Prince and said, here's the deal. And then I was subsequently patched through to the ship where one of the surgeons laid out what the, what the situation was. And so the next step was they sent a helicopter out to an area close to me. I got on the helicopter and flew out to the ship and was able to perform this operation. I think any doctor, any person who can do this sort of thing would do it. I, I was honored to do so. And, um, you know, that's not something we talked uh, about on television that much, but, uh, you know, these sorts of situations came up from time to time out there, and they're still happening in Haiti where people really need care they're not always able to get it. We've been talking with Dr. Sanjay Gupta about the roles and challenges of the physician journalist reporting from disaster areas. Dr. Gupta, thank you for being our guest. Anytime, Matt. Thank you. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Bernholtz. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And as always, thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.